Hey everyone, you're listening to Pada Bang, a podcast that breaks down every episode of The Sopranos, one at a time. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This is a conversation I had with Ajay Naidu, who appeared in the fifth episode of season two, Big Girls Don't Cry. To put things in Christopher's words, Ajay has had an interesting arc. It started in Evanston, Illinois, and moved its way to New York City, where he has acted in some of the most beloved films and TV shows around. We talk about office space and being in Darren Aronofsky's cadre of go-to actors, which landed him roles in memorable instant classics, Pie, Requiem for a Dream, and The Wrestler. Next, Ajay gives us a sense of what it was like to be a part of The Sopranos and The West Wing. Finally, we finish up talking about the Mercury Prize-winning album, OK, by Talvin Singh, that he was featured on. Please remember to help us spread the word by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and tell your friends. Here's our conversation. Thanks for listening. So my company, we make podcasts for talent and brands and, and things we're obsessed about, and The Sopranos has been something that I've been obsessed with since... 2002, as I'm sure you've heard so many people over the years, it's just an amazing piece of work. And it is indeed amazing. This is a passion project. So what I'm trying to do is I'm basically trying to get closure with the show. To be honest, I'm trying Sweet. to trying to get my wife off my back. She says, "Just get it out of your system." So this is basically what this podcast is all about. And let's kick it, man. That's a dope thing to do. And so, yeah, so we, we did this, we didn't think anybody would listen and thousands of people are listening and it's like, it's become this amazing thing. And Congratulations, man. Thank That's you. Awesome. And so one, one of the things that we wanted to do is just talk to people that were a part of the show and just kind of like bring out any sort of color, any sort of stories, any sort of anecdotes that you may have. And that's the spirit of what this is all about. So right on. what I'd like to do is just talk a little pre-Soprano stuff with you and then I'll talk Soprano stuff and then cap it off with some post-Soprano stuff because you've worked on some really cool projects, including some this esoteric musical thing that I want to get into with you later. Um, okay. So does that sound good? Feel free to ask me anything. So anyway, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm really thrilled to have you here. Anytime, Jake. So you were born just outside of Chicago in Evanston. Do you still consider Chicago home? Um, I, I consider, I mean, I consider Chicago my first, my first home and then comes a lot of other places. But I, I really feel like having been this long in New York, this is home now, but I've always, and I, and I don't mean specifically Chicago, but I mean, Evanston is where my bones are. Did you go to high school in Evanston? Yeah, I did. I just, I asked that question because I went to high school in Sacramento and it's a place that I've never been back to until very recently. And so I'm just always curious if people, the place where they, where they went to high school, most people just like get out of Dodge and like go do different things with their life. No, man, it was a deeply moving, it was a deeply moving, highly, highly incredible growth time for me. Cool. And it still plays a really, really important like part of my life. So, you know. So I, it's, it's hard for me to answer it without sounding like the people from Chicago might be like, oh, no, man, fuck that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you know, you got to be from here. I'm like, I, I don't I can't do that. I'm from everywhere anyway. I, I've spent so much time all over the world now. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I'm from a lot of places. Yeah. So. Yeah. We actually share a common ancestry. Uh, your parents immigrated from India. What part? Yeah, my mother is from Kerala. My dad's from Andhra, but they met in Delhi. 
So they came in 60, my father came in 64, my mom joined him in 66. They first came to East St. They first came to St. Louis and then they, and then they moved to Chicago. Um, and I was the only one that was born here. My brother and sister came with my, with my mom a couple of years later. So uh, we've been, my family's been here a really long time. I was born in Chicago in 72. Very cool. Yeah. My parents immigrated in the early seventies as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was glad to know you were doing this too. It's very, it's very good, man. Yeah. I'm an Indian lawyer from California doing a Sopranos retrospective podcast. I can't pick a better guy. I can't pick a better guy for the, for the, for the job. I really was obsessed with the show, even though I was lucky enough to be in it. So, I mean, like yeah. I was, I mean, I rewatched it so many times and I'm very, I'm very, Michael Imperioli and I shared the same manager for a long time. And, uh, it, my stuff was with him and, and, you know, it, um, but when I watch it, man, I watch it for comfort and for like real, real depth of character playing. And, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous show. Well so. said, man. Comfort. It's like a warm blanket for me, man, to this day yeah, still. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's a very, very, very cozy, cozy show to watch. Yeah. So, um, yeah. did you always want to be an actor? Is this something that you knew from the uh, beginning? I started. I no. I um. I might. Well, I no. I when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I got started acting in films when I was 11 years old and got the lead in a picture. So and then started working for a while and then I stopped when I was 14 and then came back when I was 16 and started studying classical acting. Yeah, you did a lot of theater uh, and then you shifted. Which format did you prefer? I really love the theater. I've been doing a lot of theater in Europe over the last 15, 20 years. And like, I, you know, I act in films and television as it comes and, and, you know, I'm just a normal actor, dude. So, but I, but I, I did not know that I was going to be one. I, uh, when I was, I, 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 I know I shouldn't, does everyone know they're going to be an actor or or, a, or an anything by the time they're 11, but it, it's just the way it worked out. So I'm a lifer in the business. Yeah. So. Before I dive into specific Sopranos stuff, there's a couple of projects you did pre-Sopranos or contemporaneous with the Sopranos that I'm just curious about. Is one of my favorite movies to this day still is Office Space. What's the genesis of that role? How did that come about? How did you get involved with it? And just kind of like take me back, kind of peel back the curtain. At the time, um, I had done a, a series of, of, of pretty cool of pretty cool things. I was in a movie that Rick Linklater had directed called Suburbia, right. uh, written by Eric, written by Eric Bogosian, and that I had gotten nominated for an Independent Spirit Award for Best Supporting Actor for that, and 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 I had a lot of attention on me, and I also had just finished up doing, uh, or was in the middle of doing uh, a series called Late Line with Al Franken. Uh, and uh, it was going to be slated to take over the Seinfeld slot. It got it got canceled, but we shot like a whole season of it and stuff. So it was kind of like I was in that space and I was living at the beach in Malibu. And a script came quite traditionally from my from my agent to me. And I remember and it just, uh, you know, I went in in it while I was in California and and and. You know, I didn't know. I want. All I knew was that it had to be very specific, specific in its Middle Easternness. Like because at that time there was, you know, I didn't want it to be just a random dude. Right. So like I, so I, so I tried to explain that I was just showing them how I might rehearse it. You know what I mean? And then I got a, and then I met, and then they liked it, and I, and I got, I met Mike Judge in New York thereafter, and he the was the writer like, so and director. Yeah. 
and uh, and and then he 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 was just like, so what do you think about the? Can you do the accent or whatever? We're like, what 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 about the accent? And I was like, well, uh, I really want to make it specific. And so we we talked about it, and like I was like, I'll get a coach and learn like a really specific Middle Eastern accent for it. So he, we did that, and I got the and I did the thing. But it but it first of all, that movie was not slated to do. That movie came out and um, they pulled it right away. It was it 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 had a slow, large cult following built over many many years so it wasn't it wasn't an immediate an immediate thing yeah it wasn't it wasn't a box office success i guess if you want to if you want to like label it but it became right. it, it, it didn't have it, it didn't have any like really right, at right. The box office. it was um, all it was all after it, it underperformed but there's people in my cohort and in my age group we still talk about it to this day and that that's that's kind of like this where i'm going with this is like this begins a pattern of projects you've been a part of that still simmer in the hearts and minds of people um did you have a sense when you guys were making it that it would have any kind of a cultural impact and people would still be talking about tps reports in 2018 absolutely not i don't think that anyone was playing for that with that with that sort of preconceived notion or any anything like that i think everyone was just having a really good time and making a fun 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 movie that they kept on trying to shut down so you know we we just like carried on through and then all of a sudden it was you know it was finished and it was a really great incredible experience while doing it and very 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 like super super fun the whole time you know and everyone was great and all of that so there's no real horror story to tell with the making of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course, no. Um, it, it, it was fun. How, so. how funny is it that, like, the best, the stuff that lasts the longest or that sticks and resonates with audiences the most are always the projects that try to get or try to get shut down. Like, in The Sopranos, too, the pilot was, they shopped it around forever and ever, and it and it almost didn't happen. And, and you're telling me that Office Space, you know, it was trying, there were so many things against it and um it's just like oh, yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy how it no, works it's a out. miracle that anything at all gets made much less <laughs> something good i mean serious yeah no, serious no. anything that comes out you're like wow they made it yeah you know what i mean Whatever, yeah you know so yeah Um, the next thing before we get the next uh, silver screen thing is you, you turned down uh, this Darren Aronofsky corner, if you will. And you did pie and you were a part of Requiem, which to this day, the vacuum scene and the music still haunts me in my dreams. Um, can you talk a little bit about those projects working with Darren Aronofsky, how you got involved and just paint a little picture for us? Yeah. When I, when I, and also when I was in the middle of doing Suburbia, I was working with a young, an actress called Samia Shoahib. And, um, she told me about this audition that she was going to, that she, that she needed a boyfriend for. And, um, like meaning the, the character needed a boyfriend who was abusive and whatever. And, uh, and I was like, and she was like, you should come. This director is, is, is cool. And we went into it. We, we got to this place and we, we, we actually, I was like, improv this scene with, with Darren. No way. And, and yeah. And, um, like, you know, we just like fooled around. I mean, like fooled around and you asked me to scare him and stuff. And I, and I did my best. And, and then I ended up, I ended up being in pie, which that year I, there was like three movies going to Sundance and, 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 I had three movies going to Sundance at that, like as soon as Darren had finished it and, you know, Pi was going to Sundance and my name went on the, went on the thing because I was in two other things there. And, um, so the move and the movie like obviously became a, like a huge 
thing. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and and so, Darren had sort of created an ensemble, or you know, in in Pi, that he was like, I really want to, you know, he wanted in his Kubrickian sense, like he really liked the the people around his people to be people he he liked and right. knew. You know right. what I mean? So, um, we, I, I think we got along. Darren is a very, very difficult. I mean, he's, he's a very, 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 very smart dude. Yeah. So I can never, I mean, he's thinking a lot of things at once. So my, my relationship with him as a friend versus a director are two, are, are, are different things. Cause when he's not working and we're just hanging around, he's, he's wonderful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when yeah. he's a director, I'm a little bit frightened of him. So like, you know, I, uh, but he ended up putting me in Requiem and, and, uh, and that was, that was really cool. And then the wrestler that kind of came out of nowhere. And, uh, he, I think he wanted me to, because the, the character that I had to, had to deal with, um, Mickey Rourke's face, like he had to be up in his, like, like being like handle him. Yeah. Yeah. And Mickey, Mickey Rourke's real particular about like people getting in his him. business. Yeah, getting in his business, and um, uh, Darren got me to do it. Like, <laughs> I play as I play as medic because I think I think he thought that like at least I would be like respectful. Or so I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what he thought, but I have a feeling that he was playing to my uh, that he that he that he pulled me onto that because I was a vulnerable like kind of vulnerable and wouldn't fuck around too much. Yeah, you know. Sorry to sorry no, to no. swear. This is a Sopranos podcast. You can say right, you can right. Say I mean, anything. Uh, you know. I, as soon as I got in there and I started trying to fool around and do stuff, Darren checked me. He was like, no, uh, 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 man, what's with the energy? You know what I mean? And I was yeah. like, whoa, okay. You know what I mean? So every time I've gone in to work for them, it's a very exacting, very, very, um, very tech. I mean, like tech it has to be technically sound and full performance. So it's, it's, he, he, he's an exacting director. So that's, that's a little bit about that. But I, I mean, I can't speak to, how, how or why other than Darren and I are friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. So been. you met, so you met him. The, so Pi was his debut, his directorial debut, correct? That's right. That's and, right. And you met him through your friend who was looking for a, a, an actor to play opposite her. That's how the initial, that, that, that's how it initially happened. Yeah. Very cool. And now you're in his cadre of actors. You're, you're in his click, man. Ha. That's like I, I I hope so. I haven't I haven't talked to Darren. We share the same birthday. We send each other texts on on our birthday. That's super so. cool, man. Um, and yeah, the wrestler, you you beat me to the punch. I was going to talk about that post Sopranos, but yeah, that was a great movie, and and I I vividly remember uh the role uh, the scene. And now that you've kind of like taken me behind the curtain, it's, it, I'm going to go back and rewatch that. That's awesome. Oh, that's sweet, man. Thank you. I, I'm, that's good. So the Sopranos, take listeners back to the day you got the call for the Sopranos. Get a little businessy on me. Like, how does it work? Talk about your agent. If you can remember the day, uh, how did how did the whole like initial procedural process of getting on the show go down? Okay. So um, I remember at that time, at that time, I, I was doing really, really well. Uh, I was in lots of different things and running around quite a bit. Uh everyone was talking about the Sopranos around like, you know, about, about it. But, uh, my agents, my agents called me and they were like, listen, th- th- it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an appearance. It's not even like a big, you know, it's not a big thing. You know, it's just a scene. It's just a, li- it's just a cool scene. Um, read it, see if you want to go. And, and then I, when I got, when I got to the audition for Sheila Joffe, who had, who I had known from before, it's a great casting director, brilliant. Um, and, and, uh, George Ann Walken, who's, 
the other casting director. I, I know that I know that they are they were they're two of the best in the business. And when I got to the office, there was a lot of people there just for this one, just for this one one part. And it like um, but I knew also that it was like it, it, uh, that it, it had to be played in, in, in from within a world after having read the script. I was like, this world is so vivid and 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 like so scary and good that like you know i have to i have to be i have to be able to like really do something good for this yeah so i like really really like invested in the sorry i didn't mean to be long-winded no but no like, no, you know, no. I, no i just i just felt the need that like it was a cool thing to try for even though it didn't feel like i got scared when i got there and i was like wow every dude in the whole every indian dude because that was like listed as like he was listed as an indian man okay so like everyone was there everyone was wanting it i was like wow i guess this show is important yeah you know that that's when i like realized it and uh and then um i went in and george Hand, it was so it was so warm in that room the minute i walked in uh, because I don't know what they had been seeing previously to me or beyond that. But as soon as I did it, George Ann was like, Ajay, amazing. Okay. Okay, man. You still, you're available. That's how it was. It was the best an audition could, could go. Wow. Is how it is how that was. Because it was, I mean, I know that like the, the scene had to be played like true. It couldn't right. be like cheesy. You know what I mean? The guy was tr- the actor in the scene was playing an actor in the scene. Right. So, it, it was like Very the guy meta. had to be, he had to be, he had to be, tr- the, the actor inside the scene had to be really, really trying to be a good actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you, there, there, there's, there's no way to do that except try to be a good actor with what you have. So I just like put my heart into the, into the fate, into the monologue that the actor within the scene was delivering. And all of a sudden it took off, you know what I mean? And then when I broke it, I broke it right away and I broke the character. And I was like, yeah, what, what's the note? You know what I mean? So they thought that was very funny. So I guess that's how I ended up in it. So you found out right on the spot, which apparently from what well, I've heard. I, didn't, I mean, like, I mean, like I didn't, I didn't find out on the spot, but I, but I felt that I might've done really well. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, uh, but I, I don't remember exactly how I, how then I heard that I got the part because, you know, I was as glad I, I was, you know, at that part time I was booking quite regularly. So I was like, Oh, I'm glad, you know what I mean? Great. You know what I mean? Another, the next one, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, um, but when I got there, when I actually went to table read and all that stuff, everyone was so amazingly cool and everyone knew who I was and knew the part. And like my, and, you know, it was just like, it's a love. It is a love fest at the Sopranos table read you know, for like read through it. It's a, uh, even, and, and, and James Gandolfini was like very good. And like, he like was so, so gracious and sweet and like, give me a big smile and all this kind of stuff. When I, when we were doing the, doing the read and all that. So was that I, the I only time, a, was that, was that your only encounter with him at the table read or did you see him on set? Um, uh, no, I did not see him at set. Okay. I did not see him at set. So I saw him there um, once. Was David Chase at the audition? No, I, 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 I don't remember. But I think that it was. I, I think that it was more than just them, more than just George Ann and um, Sheila. And yeah, there must have been there must have been people in the room because it 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 went off. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But you didn't know who you didn't know who they were at the time because, it, like you said, you were no, just kind of like. It's best not to know all that stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? It's best not to get like too up in your head about it. Yeah, you yeah you don't want to like 
you don't want to make the stakes too high. You got to release the need to get the job to get the job. You ah, know what I mean? So that's interesting. So, if I knew what the Sopranos was going to be yeah. now, and I was going and I was going in to do it, I would never have been able to play it the way I played it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, oh my god, I'm going in for the Sopranos. You know what I mean? Like, right. You know, like like that. And you know, it has to be. Did you have any sense of the gravity of the show when you were there? Like, is there, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make a compare and contrast question for you. I might as well just jump to it now. Cause you were, you were later on the West wing. You had, you had a spot on the West wing and I'm just curious if there are any similarities between the two shows. And then if there are any major differences between the two shows, just from someone who's been looking at it from the prism window that you were looking at it through. Boy, that's a big, that's a big, big, a vast question. I'm not sure I understand where to start it. So like both of these shows are like massive major shows, right? They're like, if you were to put, if you were to carve out a Mount Rushmore of, of TV okay, shows, yes, yes, the I, Sopranos, yes, the are. Sopranos and the West Wing would probably be on that Mount Rushmore. And I think you, you would find only a few people that would debate that. Right. So I'm yes, just trying that's... to understand, like, I'm trying to basically have you capture lightning in a bottle for me and tell me what is the alchemy that you witnessed in those shows that you haven't seen other places. Okay. I, does that make sense? Uh, is that better? Yes, I okay. do. It does make sense. So all, all I can, uh, the, I guess the, the, the most, the most easiest way I can do it is say in terms of their production value, it's uh, people are fighting time and resources versus quality and ideas all the time. And both of those shows had that dance down. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They knew how to do that better than, you know, I mean, I mean, that's just that's just in production value. But that is all related to the fact that both of those stories are deeply human, deeply vulnerable, extremely, uh, extremely interesting and visceral and and gory and beautiful and everything, everything, everything on all of those shows all the time at once. Right. So in every episode is chock full every time of of just the most, you know, things that are meant to things that stun you. You know what I mean? Really to the heart, right? Are you still with me? Yeah. Yeah. So like both of those things had those two things in common. They're just, they were just very, very truthful, truthful stories. And I don't want to say reality because neither one of those shows has any truck with reality. Right. They're all about, like, they're all about truths, you know? So anyway. I appreciate that. Essentially what I'm, the audience that that was intended for is someone who's aspiring to make, you know, these wonderful works of art and just looking for like little potions of lightning in a bottle that they can use to apply on their own projects. That's kind of the spirit of the question. Um, and and your perspective is second to none because everybody talks about the show. There's, there's another book that's coming out about the show. There's all these critics that write about the show, but there's very few people that were actually there. Even if you were there for only a moment, you were still there and you still sort of saw, you know, it's like being, it's like being a fly on the wall for a minute. And there's a lot of information you can glean from that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I, I, uh, I learned an incredible amount in both places. Uh, and, uh, you know, both of them had, you know, truly epic proportions in retrospect. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an honor that, 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 you know, that, that I was able to be there. You know what I mean? I, I learned lots and lots and lots. I mean, particularly about acting from John Spencer in, in the West wing and, um, and about really enjoying yourself, even when you're doing the most despicable things with Michael Imperioli and the gang at the Sopranos, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a really cool, both of those things were very gratifying acting wise that way. 
How much of this do you attribute to good choices, good agenting, or luck? Because if you look at the list of stuff you've worked on, it just seems like, man, Jay just makes good choice after good choice after good choice. No, Can man, you- I, it's not like that. <laughs> I just don't end up in anything shitty. So <laughs> it's like, no, man, I, I, I never say no. <laughs> yeah. You get me for a song, man. I, I'll do it. You okay. know what I mean? The yeah. My answer usually is I'll do it. But the other thing is, my other answer is, I'm sorry that you've been chosen to do it. Because like whoever, whoever is getting ready to make a movie or, you know, make a, make a show or something like that, they, they're in for a serious ride. You know what I mean? Whether it's up, whether it's up or down. So you have to, you have to respect creatives in a, in a, you know, like when someone, someone's offering you, someone offers you a job, my first answer is yes, because I, because I have to see, I have to read it and then say yes, but, or yes, and you know what I mean? Uh, and, or, I mean, an actor has to, you know, things have been, uh, you, you can never know when you're going to work and stuff like that. So I, I, I always try to like not quit anything, but do everything. You right. know what I mean? No, it makes total, it makes total sense. And in, in, in the moment, it's very hard to know, you know, what you're a part of or what you're not going to be no, a part exactly. of. Just, no, exactly. Yeah. No, if I were going to talk about the Sopranos specifically, I mean, like, look, it was a really fun day. It was a really warm cast, but the truth be told, it felt like a, no- a normal New York show. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, at least it's not like, at least it's not going to be like, they're mean to me. Like they are to all other, like other, like every guest star on every other thing has to jump into an already functioning organism. And like, you know, uh, that, that in and of itself can be trying if the people aren't cool, but the Sopranos people are mad cool. You know what I mean? And like the, all the actors that were in it are fucking wildly gifted. You know, sorry, I keep, I keep swearing. You kept saying a great entertainment. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to keep talking like this. No, you totally are. Uh, yeah, but nevertheless, I mean, we are talking about the Sopranos. You know? that's, exa- <laughs> so, that's exactly what I what I said earlier. This is a Sopranos podcast, so there's it's and it's it, there's no it's rated R, right? It's, it's rated R. Yeah, inherently it's rated R. Are that's there, cool. You were only you were there for a day, so I mean, your your window was limited. But are there any stories that you're comfortable sharing about any uh, any interactions with the cast or crew? Is, is well, there? Here, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. no, I'll tell you this. When I when I when I played with Michael. Uh, when I did my stuff with Michael and and, he, and and his thing to me is you're dropping all your apples, right? Oranges. He, 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 oh, oranges. Yeah. Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I see. I don't even, I don't even remember because uh, like, I'm not like the blinded me with science dude that like, where, like where everyone kept yelling that line at him or something like yeah, that. But yeah. Uh, but anyway, like long story short, man, we had a really, really fun. I mean, he scared me properly, man. Like, you know what I mean? So it was easy to like, be, like to be really, really befuddled and, you know, a little bit scared, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and unpredictable. What I, what I, what I, I mean, and, and the other thing is that the, whoever, the other person that was there was a woman called Linda Eman. She plays the, she plays the, 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 the teacher on that show. Mm-hmm. Now she's a wildly brilliant, brilliant, brilliant actress, you know, and her, her, her tone and nature really kind of set the, set the funny set set the funny cool vibe of it yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah and you know the way she handles him and it's it's, it's almost like it's it, it feels more like therapy right than it does like a cla- like a class or something like that and, and and so it's so true there's a juxtaposition between christopher's therapy which was the acting class and tony's therapy which is with dr melfi and that's what everybody absolutely. kind of like wrestles with on this episode yeah yeah and and i think that you know <laughs> um What's the name of the movie they all try to make later on? The the the, the mass murder, the the axe murder. The, oh, the, yeah, um, uh, Cleaver. 
Cleaver. Right. Right. You know, in talking about like Cleaver, like later on, you, you, you get the, I mean, I like this idea that he's like a broken artist. Yes. You know what I mean? His arc. He's looking for his arc. He's constantly looking for his arc of his life. That's Christopher in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, he's a, he's a buster artist, but anyway, continuing to make a very, very short story long, um, Michael Imperial and I became good friends very quickly. And we had known each other from other things and we recognized each other. And then we realized we had the same manager. And then he put me in a movie that he was directing later on. And we've always been, he's, I've always respected and admired him very, very deeply. And, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a really, really great guy. And, um, very cool. Yeah. Thanks so for sharing a, that. His character, his character resonates with me probably the most. Uh, I just like, there's so many aspects of aspects of the, the, his arc of the whole, uh, throughout the whole show. It's just a, Michael Imperioli and, and, and Christopher Moltisanti are uh, just this very special alchemy that was put in front of the camera for all of us to witness. It was amazing. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's tremendous. Um, where does the show rank in your pantheon of shows? Like as a fan, not as an art, not as an artist, not as an actor, oh, way, but way, as, way up, way up there, way up there, way up there, which is, I mean, I mean, again, like I said before, I don't really end. I haven't really ended up in too too many shitty things. You know what I mean? No, I have you ended haven't. Up, and it's, I've been in some some duds, but I mean, like it it doesn't matter. Like the process of of each one of them has been like still fully legit and good. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't, you know, even at the lowest end theory, I never end up in anything bad. So I don't know where I where I don't know where we started that, but we were talking about. No, 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 it's fine. I, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you back one more place and then, and then we'll just wrap up with a couple of other things. Um, I want to switch. I want to leave the Sopranos uh, reluctantly, even though that's all I think about. My mind weaves in and out of that show. It's been weaving in and out of it for the last 12 years, but, um, I want to switch to music. Um, you, yeah, you, yeah. you were part of a niche, at least by us standards album that was really influential to me. Um, as someone who actually played the tabla drum for uh, over a decade, um, and was constantly looking for ways to incorporate it into Western music. Um, mm-hmm. how did you get involved with Talvin Singh and the okay project? Okay. So, so at the time I was living on St. Mark's, I, uh, knew that I was, I mean, I was, dan- I danced, I, I was been, I had been dancing, break dancing and, and like free since I was a little boy. And I was deeply, deeply into, uh, drum and bass at the, in the early, early days of it. And so like I had been following it. I met, I met this incredible other artist named Karsh Kale in New York at the bank by all of all, by all standards. And we started, we started making music together. I was emceeing and writing his words and dancing. And I kind of was like doing like this impresario, like drum live drum and bass act with Karsh Kale and also like making my own solo piece and doing just like writing words. And so, and, and um, in whichever form that came out. And I was also dancing mask and like doing all this like different, different stuff, but it was, it, it combined with that sound. And uh, you know, the, the, the birth of the Asian underground movement, is very close to me and like Talvin came to, when when Tal, when when John which my which, which is my son's name came out which is a track Talvin made it it changed the very face of like the sound for me you know it really it really I've been trying to hear that forever you know I've been trying to get that sound forever and I don't know it all it it, it 
it takes on really, really mythic proportions for me, my, 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 the, the, the music world. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I met Karsh Kale. We were working together. We went down to Atlanta to do like this, like South Asian Students Association conference thing. I've been like, to a few of those. Back, yeah, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, but I mean, I met, Calvin was also there. And like, we, I performed and he performed and Kurt, we were, we were all, we were all together there. And, and uh, it was like a week later, I called and dropped him a rhyme on his answering machine and begged him to take me onto the record. Wow. And he did. Yeah. So you cold called Talvin Singh and that's no, how you... it wasn't cold. It wasn't cold. It <laughs> yeah, was more, okay. it was more like that. But then I ended up going out there and we became very, very close friends and were, and you know, I spent a lot, a lot of time with him in London in the early, early DNB days and, and made so many of my dearest lifelong friends. And, um, you know, I'm still, I mean, we're all still really close. Do you, remember, of do you remember what track you were featured on? Yeah, I've been, I was on two, but he only kept everything that I did on the very last day. I was there for three days. I recorded for three days. He kept everything in the last 10 minutes of my recording session. So I was in, um, I was on a track called Sony, okay. and, which I did, which I did spoken word on. And I did a track called Decca. Which okay. I did the intro with which I did the intro for, and I did uh, the last acting improvisations on the entire record after Vikram the Vampire. So I did all the oh. I did all the I did all the ambient t- talks and I like I did like Boys of Party Yard and all the yeah like, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I, I was I listening. I was listening to the album on the way into the studio today before I talked yeah. to you, and I was listening to that ambient stuff at the end, and that was you. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna check out those two tracks on the way home tonight. But That's I mean, cool. I mean, like, but I've done. I mean, I've been working off and on with so many people and done so many tracks with so many dudes from the Asian underground. Now, it, it's like uh, there's a vast library of stuff that everyone has collected between each other and working with each other and all that stuff. So it's like. There's a lot of other things to see and hear, but that record was truly, truly beautiful. Yeah, it still so, is. It has. It, I was just gonna say it has aged very well. Time has been very yeah. good to that album. Yeah, um, I'm really shy of it because, like, I mean, I improvised it, man. I wrote him all these books of rhymes and all kinds of stuff and slick stuff, and like, he just kept my improvisations. And I'm like, I'm a little embarrassed of like Decca because I wouldn't have said that and stuff, and like it, it's like a little provocative to me. Yeah. And like I was just, I was just fooling around. Of course. And then like the other stuff, and the other stuff was like really, really, I still think it's like, I mean, like the the poem, I wish I had written it in Sanskrit. You know what I mean? Like it was like meant to be in, in Hindi or, you know, I mean like I, there's all kinds of stuff that I, I have like, like kind of like strange, vulnerable feelings about on that record. But anyway, he captured a moment where, where we were, you know, so that's, that's what I got to respect. And I, it is beautiful. And it you know, won, the, it, it won the Mercury yeah, prize. Man. I was there for it. I was there for it. Wow. I went out because it got nominated. And then like, I spent like another couple weeks with T at his place in um, in Leighton stone. And, you know, just was with his family for like a couple weeks there. So it was nice. Uh, he, he, he's a, he's a wonderful guy. I mean, he's been through so much. Is he still making music? Of course. Okay. I mean, he's a classical tabla player first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. Man. He goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and plays all day. Riaz, 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 Riaz. He's like a, he's a proper guy. So, you know, I mean, he's been through so much bullshit, man. Like England will tear it, will build you up and tear you down so quick. 
You know what I mean? They they do. That's just their nature. I, I don't understand. That. I mean, in the States, you can have some staying power when you do something so prolific. You know what I mean? But in England, they're like, yeah, yeah. On to the next. You so, know what I mean? so like, wait, wait. So you're saying that in England, it's more it's more of a what have you done for me lately culture? I would say so. Wow. I mean, it's more more than that. I think it's more that the press won't let people get past a certain point. You know, they're like, no, no, they have to like, you know, you're getting too big for your britches no matter who you are in England or something. You know what I mean? Interesting. I've noticed that the, the actor Riz Ahmed, he, he's a, he's actually a rapper. He and he fashions himself as like yeah, a no, musician. He's a, yeah, he's a, he, yeah, he's a rapper and MC and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. he's releasing a bunch of stuff and he's talking about it. And he has a new thing out called I think it's called Mogambo. I hope I'm, yeah. I'm quoting that properly. It's an it's an old uh, Bollywood villain. Um, I had to ask uh-huh. I had to ask my mom because I I'm sadly I'm not like well versed in the Bollywood films, but like Mogambo. No, but like I the, mean like everyone has their favorite, right? Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. Probably know you probably remember something. Yeah. So you probably remember. It's in there, man. It's, it's in, there. in there. It's definitely in the yeah, DNA. Yeah. yeah. Everyone um, has everyone has one. You know what I mean? So. Ajay, this has been awesome. I really want to thank you for being on the podcast and talking to me today. Before I let you go, is there anything interesting coming up in your life or something that you'd like to mention? Well, um, I, I've just now I've just now done a few different things, but every everything's been pretty cool. I've got a little boy; he's two and a half. He's my whole world. But I've been acting in things as they come up. I just did this movie with Maggie Gyllenhaal called the. The kindergarten teacher that's coming out and I, I went on this show for a minute called god friended me and i went on this other one called billions so i've been like going on things and 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 just and doing them as they come and trying to and and raising my son which has been so he really fixed me up so that's all i want to say i'm in the same boat man fatherhood is is has it been an amazing life-changing experience yeah i really can i really can i know i'm nerding out but nevertheless that's where i'm at so no enjoy it man it's it's uh, my my oldest is five and i have a three-month-old before you know oh, it man. B- yeah before you know it your 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 two and a half year old will be five so just relish every minute i will man congratulations that's wonderful you sound strong thank that's you that's great I appreciate yeah. this again. Um, I'll let you know when it airs. And it's been real, man. I really, I really, really Big, thank you. An absolute pleasure, man. I really look forward to it. And man, you're so awesome. Thanks for calling me, man, and t- talking to me. I'm you got stoked. It. <laughs>